Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Charlie Brown Day. Merry Christmas to you all. We're glad to have you here at all of our campuses and also online. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, Zach, who's watching online, Rosemary, Dan, uh, Phyllis. We're really glad to have you guys on Facebook Live. My granddaughter, Olivia, and grandson, Caleb. Hi, you guys. I miss you. Good to have you guys all here. Um, and, and, and I also want to get, if you get a chance... Uh, if you're at this service live, the Timbos are down here uh, from Malawi. They're from Love Story Cafe, which is an anti-trafficking group that we work with in Malawi. So can we just give them a, 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 a hand? We're so I can't wait to get to know you guys. Can't wait to get to know them. We're going to have lunch tomorrow. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Listen, Parkview people, we're going to have 25 Christmas Eve services, 25 of them. We, can't, we have so many that we couldn't write them on the card for the invite because old people like me wouldn't be able to read it. So we just put the website on there. But grab a bag of popcorn and give it to somebody and invite them to at the movies and, or also just grab one of these cards and invite people. We told everybody, do, do the come sit with me thing, right, uh, which is great, and I hope if you're here and you're new, that, that, you're, that you're feeling welcome. We want to make that happen for you. People are doing weird things with them, however. Um, Chuck Adams sent me this from uh, the men's bathroom in uh, Home Depot in Frankfurt, okay? So, uh, and notice how Chuck didn't get his own image in the picture. I, I, you remember that story. So, so, I mean, that's great. I'm just going to say probably a personal invite is a little bit better. And this might be pushing come sit with me to a weird new level. Okay, that's all I, that, that's all I can say. So we're, we're doing at the movies, if you're new, it's just a way for us to use like the common things that we know about to talk about uh, something that's very uncommon. And Charlie Brown today is perfect. Charles Schultz lived a life as a, as a believer and a life on mission. He thought that he could be an example as a Christian without shoving it down people's throats. And he did a great job in his comic strips. And then obviously most recognizable is the Christmas special where Linus gets up and reads Luke 2 on now national television. Interesting to know, I did a little background on this, at the time of its original showing, which was 1965, I was four years old, okay, only 9% of the Christmas episodes and specials contained any religious references. Only 9%. I mean, we look back and we think, oh, well, back then, you know, everything was all... No, only 9%. So this was out of the box way back then. And, and obviously, it's out of the box today that it's still on. Favorite quote from Charles Schultz, I mean, he was a life on mission guy. Little things we say and do in Christ's name are like pebbles thrown into the water. The ripples spread out in circles and influence people we may know only slightly and sometimes not at all. I mean, can you imagine how many people have been influenced by the pebble of the Charlie Brown Christmas special? I discovered that they really just threw this thing together. It's kind of a last-minute idea. He wrote the script really fast. They originally grabbed neighborhood kids to do the voices on the first show, um, and they made three very radical decisions when they decided to put this out. Number one, there would be no laugh track, and everything had a laugh track that was a comedy back in those days, still does a lot. Number two, they would use jazz music. I mean, Vince Guaraldi, it, just, it, was just, it, it seems like that's supposed to be that way now, but back then nobody was doing that. And number three was the Bible. I mean, everybody tried to get Charles Schultz talked out of using the Linus clip reading the Bible. And he said, no, that is non-negotiable. The producers said, we looked at each other and we said, well, there goes our careers down the drain. Nobody had ever animated the Bible before and we knew it probably wouldn't work. 
The executives at CBS, where it aired originally, were also very unhappy with the finished product, but they'd already advertised in TV Guide that it was going to happen, so they, they were kind of stuck with it. And of course, everybody was wrong. It was a huge hit, still on every year, 54 years later. Why is it? Well, when this little boy with a, a blankie and a lisp gets to the center stage and says, I know what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Lights, please. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. We know he's right. This is the center of Christmas. It's the center of life as we know it. And Linus knew it, and Charlie Brown remembered it, and even non-believers recognized that that's what Christmas was supposed to be about, right? And for those of us who are believers, it's a great reminder of what's important at Christmas. The producer Mendelssohn said, later said, that scripture reading probably actually made the entire project work, even though he was against it at first. He said, and I quote, that 10-year-old kid who recited the speech from the Bible was as good as any scene from Hamlet. So what is it that has endeared this to us year over year? I mean, it's not the graphics, right? I mean, it's not the plot. It's not the dancing. <laughs> Come on, I know you want to do it with me. Just, you know, do the dancing thing, right? That's not it. Yeah, sure, it's nostalgia to a certain degree. But I think the thing that makes this so important to us is the same thing that Charles Schultz was addressing in the first place. Because it's at this time of the year when we realize that our priorities are messed up. It's at this time of the year that shows us when something is missing. And just so you know, uh, Charlie Brown was Charles Schultz, okay? He wrote this as his own character. Charles Schultz was a person who was plagued by depression and self-doubt his entire life. He believed everyone knew what it felt like to be him. Um, he was the youngest in his class, endured a bunch of bullying, and felt a lot of loneliness. And as it turns out, everybody did relate to Charlie Brown. We can all relate to feeling lonely, to feeling like a blockhead. We can all relate to the fact that we're going to keep trying to keep kick the ball no matter whether Lucy pulls it away, and she's probably going to pull it away. So what is it that made this Charlie Brown special so special? Well, something just feels off to Charlie Brown. Let's watch. Can you relate? I, I mean, it feels that way to me. Maybe because I actually went through a period of anxiety this summer, early fall, um, in a weird way that I'd never felt before. Maybe I'm just feeling um, those of you that deal with that on a regular basis. I don't know, but it just feels like to me the Christmas season magnifies everything that, that's wrong in our life, doesn't it? It just feels like all these things that I think I want, they're just not there. They're not working right. Um, I, I was listening to Spotify, and they had this Christmas playlist on, and there was this Americana artist named Kathleen Edwards who had a hilarious song called It's Christmas Time, Let's Just Survive. It's Christmas time, let's just survive. I mean, it's basically Christmas vacation, put the music, you know? And, and, and yet that's what it feels like to so many people. When I did a series on this a few weeks ago, when I came back from my sabbatical break, everybody I talked to said, thank you so much, I needed to hear that. You know, I, I mean, I talk about other things and people don't say that. I talk about money, nobody ever says that to me. I mean, you need to hear it, but nobody ever says that. When I preach about marriage, people say, thank you, my spouse really needed to hear that. <laughs> but, but, 
But, but for some reason, this one was like personal to everybody because anxiety is the number one issue in our world. And they were addressing it back in 1965. This is Charlie Brown's problem. And the problem at Christmas is that we all feel like we're supposed to be holly and jolly and we're supposed to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby. So we work extra hard to try to make it happen and end up failing. And, and, and we, we keep falling into the traps that the peanut characters were falling into. Everybody's trying to fill it up, right? Everybody's trying to fill it up with the stuff that they can buy, 10s and 20s or real estate. And hey, Sally wants Linus and Lucy wants Schroeder. So there's other things going on, but nothing seems to be working. What is it that Schultz is trying to tell us? Well, here's the Linus scripture. Don't worry, I'll let Linus read it in a minute, but, but let's unpack it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Okay, there's an angel here. You've read this a whole lot of times, but you've got to remember that God only sent angels if something was very important. He didn't do that very often. To my knowledge, I've never had an angel tell me anything. I don't even think I've ever seen an angel, obviously, other than the one I'm married to. And very rarely, thank you, thank you very much. You've got to get those in every once in a while. Uh, very rarely did angels appear to groups of people, okay? So what is so important that he had to send the angels? But the angels said to them, fear not. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. We could just kind of stop and take one deep breath right there. It might change your whole Christmas trajectory. Fear not. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Seems like it's worthy of an angelic messenger. There was so much to be afraid of for the shepherds that night. They're living in Palestine. The Romans are ruling. They weren't Romans. They could be arrested for no reason. There's no constitution. There's no rights. And not only that, they were shepherds. I mean, there couldn't have been a, a more stark contrast of God coming to, to, to the earth as a baby born to poor parents in Bethlehem, except for the fact that the very first people that got the message were shepherds, because the shepherds were the lowliest of the low. They were poor. They smelled bad. Their life was hard. And they were the lowliest profession. I like to say they were lower than a Lambo field toilet attendant. Pum pum. Nobody liked them. They are shunned, minority, because of their profession. What's interesting to me this year, as I've been processing it over again, is that because they handled the animals, they were not able to be able to go to the temple and do the ceremonial washings and do the ceremonial things that needed to happen and do the sacrifices. The sheep were actually for the sacrifices, but they couldn't go. So these guys probably didn't understand the law at all. They didn't understand the Torah at all. Maybe what they had when they were a kid, but they're migrant workers, so they've moved around. They probably don't really even get their own religion. And, and they're considered suspect by their own people, let alone the fact that they live under Roman territory. So we'd all be terrified at the presence of an angel. And the first thing the angel said to Mary and Joseph was, fear not. I mean, if an angel shows up, the first thing they're going to say is, fear not. But I think the fear was a little bit different for them, because they don't understand that angels are messengers. Mary and Joseph did. Other people did. They didn't understand it. So to them, shepherds, uneducated, living out in the field, and the angels show up. It's like 
I think it would have been like when you're driving down the highway and the blue lights start flashing behind you, right? I think that would have been the feeling, like, Tim Harlow, please come to the principal's office. I mean, you're guessing, not that either one of those have ever happened to me, but you get that message and you're guessing that you're in trouble, right? They can only assume that this is a bad thing. So in a different way, they're anticipating these angels showing up, they're freaking out. Plus, what was the angel's job? The angel's job was keeping watch over their flocks by night against rustlers, against wild animals or whatever. Sheep are stupid and they're going to run and scatter at any loud noise or anything that's going to happen. So they've got to really protect them because if the sheep run off, they might get lost or they might fall off a cliff and, and injure themselves. So their job was literally to be scared so the sheep didn't have to be scared. Fear not. Angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, the text tells us, and they were terrified. So, so I'm just trying to process this for you. I mean, imagine that you're sleeping with one eye open, you know, and, and all of a sudden the angels show up. Imagine that you've just gone to a horror movie, okay? You're one of those weird people that go to horror movies. You've just gone to the horror movie. I love the Geico commercial, don't you? Where the teenagers are like, oh, there's a mass murderer chasing us. What should we do? Should, should we go get in that running car and drive away? No, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws in the garage. And the guy's just standing there like, yeah, you're all about you idiots. Just imagine that you've gone to one of those movies, okay? And you know what it's like when you've gone to one of those movies. You don't sleep good that night because every little sound you hear sounds like Freddy Krueger. That's where these guys are at. And an angel shows up with some Lord glory going on. And the King James says they were so afraid that it hurt, right? They were sore afraid. That's where they were. Maybe that's where you are. I love the story of the little boy who played the part of the angel in a Christmas story, and his mom schooled him over and over and over. He had one line, it is I, don't be afraid. It is I, don't be afraid. He had it down, he was all ready to go, all dressed up, walked onto the platform in front of the lights and the crowd, and he got stage fright. And he didn't remember his line, and finally he said, it's me and I'm scared. Maybe that's where your Christmas is, okay? That's where the shepherds were. That's the message. First message of Christmas is fear not. Maybe you've got family issues, relationship things. Who knows what kinds of things. You may have walked in here. You may be watching online, and you've been sleeping with one eye open, trying to keep watch over your bank account by night. Or maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's your family or one family member that you're keeping watch over by night. You're not sure that it's going to go very well. Maybe it's your job. You don't know where that's going to be. The message the angels brought was fear not. That was the first part of it. But really, that wasn't the message. Fear not was the desired effect of the message. It's one thing to tell a scared person, don't be afraid. It's another to give them a reason. We talked about the amygdala is always in your brain going to send off the fear signal. The prefrontal cortex has got to kick in and go, okay, why should I not be afraid? Here's why you should not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's a really, really good reason. Like you're going to get over the shock of the angels eventually, but I want you to understand what the message is. This still isn't the message. Fear not. Good news, great joy, all people. Okay, I'm setting it up. Drum roll, please. Here's the message. A Savior. Fear not. 
good news, it's great joy. It's for all people, even you shepherds. A Savior has been born. Whatever you're missing this Christmas, whatever your anxiety is, whatever that if only I had that or what if this happens or whatever those things are that you don't have that are causing you to not feel good about Christmas like Charlie Brown, fear not, good news, great joy, all people. A Savior is born. Changes everything. Well, it's just, I, I laughed at it this week as I was going back through this because Charles Schultz, is, this is 1965. So the contrast for Schultz that he's using is about the Christmas tree, right? I mean, we all know about the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And, and, the, and the funny part is when they go to get a Christmas tree, this is the scene. Right? They're there and they're, and they're watching, you know, the lights. They get to the Christmas tree lights and, and, and all, the, all the trees are aluminum. They're all made out of metal. And that probably is, to you is like, wow, this doesn't make any, any sense to me. What? You know, because That's because you didn't live in the 60s. I confirmed this with my parents this week. We had an aluminum Christmas tree. You probably had an aluminum Christmas tree. It was a fad back in the 60s. Check this out, man. I mean, look at that. Isn't that cool? They're so proud with those cool glasses and they got that tree, right? You know, mom's over there drinking scotch with her, with her tree. And this lady's got her cigarette over there, right? And what's hilarious is it's made with Reynolds aluminum. Oh, this is so great. So basically, it was a tree made out of aluminum foil, and it was all the rage back in the 60s. You didn't have to worry about the dog drinking the water out and Uncle Lewis lighting it on fire. That was awesome. And if you had leftovers after dinner, you could just go over to the tree, get some aluminum foil out, and put it over there. It'd be great, right? It's a very practical thing. So Charlie Brown gets to the lot and decides that, that he doesn't want the fake tree made out of aluminum foil. He wants the only real tree that was on the lot. And he says, I feel like that tree needed me. But I think Schultz was saying that Charlie needed the tree. And it's when everybody laughs at Charlie Brown for bringing back the scraggly tree that Linus kicks into the story of baby Jesus. What this Christmas is really all about. It was a contrast between what everybody else thought Christmas ought to be about, the aluminum Christmas tree or the presents or whatever it was, and what the real story of Christmas was. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. A Savior who didn't look like much either, right? A baby born to poor parents, lying in a feeding trough in Bethlehem like a scraggly little tree, but he was real. A savior is born today. Your Christmas can be about him or it can be about filling up with all the fake stuff of aluminum trees and gifts and stuff. And there's another contrast Charles uses that a lot of people don't notice. I didn't notice it for years either. The Linus thing with the security blanket. Peanuts are, gang is always giving Linus, he's obviously intellectually superior, but they're always giving him a hard time because he sucks his thumb and he's got a security blanket. There are, there are, I think, two problems that play into our anxiety and our depression at Christmas time. One is we're trying to fill it up with something that we think is going to solve it, which isn't working. Two is trying to hold on to something that isn't going to solve it and isn't working. 
So, so maybe it's a material things that you're holding on to that you think that you might lose that, that, that is your security blanket. Maybe it's a relationship that, that you are holding on to or some ideal of some relationship that you're holding on to. For Linus, the tangible thing is something he doesn't think he can live without. So I think the question for us at Christmas time is if we're going to deal with this thing, what, what is our blanket? What, what is it that we're using to try to fill up the hole? Either something that we don't have or something that we're holding on to. Because either way, it's getting in the way of our relationship with the Savior. Because all he wants is our hearts. Just us and him. Nothing else needs to fill it up. So pay a special attention to the scene when Linus nails Christmas down for us. I talked about this a few years ago, but I wanted to work through the whole movie. Watch what he does with the blanket. So you saw it, right? Yeah, I know, I know. Didn't, didn't notice it for 50 years, I, I promise you, but it's unbelievable. It's just this little moment. Let me, let me just do it again and let you watch the exact scene. Go ahead and throw that up. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not. Fear not. He throws it down. It's subtle. You don't really realize it until it pulls back and you see the thing on the, on the ground. But it's very clear what Charles Schultz is trying to say. It's subtle and it's brilliant. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. It's that simple. When the angels show up and say, fear not, it's time to drop the blanket. Why? Because there's good news of great joy that's going to be to all the people. Well, what is it? A Savior has been born. That's all you need. You don't need to fill up your life with all the other stuff that you think you need. You don't need to hang on so tightly to all the things that you think you have to hold tightly to. You need to just drop the blanket because a Savior has been born. We're giving you these coins on your way out today. Just a, it's just a little wooden coin. Don't try to put this in your slot machine. It's just a, little wooden, just a little wooden coin that says, drop your blanket, okay? Drop your blanket. I want you to put it in your pocket and carry it around during December so that when you start getting stressed about whatever it is, you can go, oh, yeah, I just need to relax, drop my blanket because the Savior's been born. When you start to worry about all the Christmas things you got to do or wonder if you're going to get, you know, the Christmas bonus or, or whatever it is that you're stressed about material-wise, you just go, oh, no, I just need to drop the blanket. Or when that relationship thing isn't going well and you're holding on to it with all your might and you're worried and you're keeping watch over your relationship with that person by night, you go, wait, wait I'm just going to drop the blanket because the Savior's been born. He took care of everything. And, and if I could just say, I mean, if there's one thing I think the shepherds probably were feeling is uh, unworthiness before God. Because that's what the religious people would have told them. You're not washing, you're not coming to the temple, you're not doing the sacrifices, so you're not worthy. If that's a question for you, drop your blanket. A Savior has been born. And it's good news of great joy for all the people, even the shepherds. They were the first witnesses. Even you, I don't care where you've been, I don't care what you've done, you're not too far away from God a Savior was born for all the people. If you look at your life and you're like, oh, I'm trying to hang on to my religious system. I'm trying to hang on to my, to, to, to my good works because hopefully that's going to get me there. Nah, just drop the blanket, man. The Savior's here. You decide. Linus picks it up again. You notice that, I know. But he doesn't seem as attached as before. Because then when we get to this final scene, we watch Linus with the blanket restore the real Christmas tree. 
and lay the blanket down at the base of the tree. Fear not, good news of great joy. What is it? An aluminum Christmas tree? A, a love affair? Real estate? Tens and twenties? No. A savior. And you can lay it down, drop your blanket at the savior, right? He might be a poor little baby in a manger in a little town of Bethlehem, but the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And suddenly the whole sky was filled with angels and they praised God saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. What's the opposite of fear? It's peace. Am I right? You choose fear or you could choose peace, but the angel's message was fear not, drop the blanket. Good news, great joy, all the people, a savior. What does that mean? That means peace. Isn't that what we're looking for? Isn't that what we talked about when we did the last series on Anxious for Nothing? The Apostle Paul promised us if we rejoice in the Lord, we will have a peace that transcends all understanding, that comes from God. That's what I want at Christmas. What did Jesus tell the storm? Peace, be still. What did the prophet Isaiah say Jesus would be? The Prince of Peace. The angels say we get peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's the opposite of fear, and that's the message of Christmas. Fear not, we have peace, so drop the blanket. You can choose fear, you can choose peace, you just decide. The angel said, fear not, good news of great joy to all people. It's for everybody. And the message was to the shepherds. It wasn't the wrong place. It was the right place. You want a great picture of that? Um, uh, a church put up a nativity scene outside in their churchyard, and during the night, some folks came across a stray dog that decided to make his home in the nativity scene. Look at this picture. This is peace, right? He chose the baby Jesus as his comfort, and no one had the heart to send the stray dog away, and he was there all night. And I think Jesus was happy because it wasn't a cat. Thank you, thank you, Harold Week. <laughs> so the show ends with the Peanuts gang not just singing, but clearly and unquestionably singing in worship. I mean, this is just one more little thing. Uh, the musical style changes completely. No Vince Guaraldi at the end. It's just silently, oh, Christmas tree is playing at the end, right? And they've been playing all the way through. But all of a sudden, the focus changes, and the focus is no longer the tree. The focus has become bigger than the tree. The focus is Jesus. And with this new focus, there's this, this very subtle morph from oh, Christmas tree, which is the obvious thing the kids should sing, into what they do sing, which is, hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And what we get to witness at the end is really just an impromptu worship service. And we're going to invite you to do the same thing, to drop the blanket and worship. We're going to have communion. We're going to have a song of worship. It's a time for you to just drop all the stuff that you're trying to fill up with or you're trying to hold on to and lay it at the tree Lay it at the feet of Jesus and understand that a Savior has been born and peace is available because of that. And it's available to you. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven 
and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests.